In the great halls of USA Today, we assemble the newsroom's mightiest nerds, Brett Molina. I'm so sorry for the producer of this podcast. <laughs> Kelly Lawler. I will fight you on it. Brian Truitt. Spoiler town! <laughs> Together, they form The Mothership. Their mission? To harness their collective encyclopedic knowledge of nerdiness in all its forms. To dissect every trailer, plot twist, and game released for the geekiest of fans. The Mothership. Saving the universe from bad comic book adaptations every Friday. All aboard the Mothership, the Geek Culture Podcast from the USA Today Network. Thanks so much for joining us, and happy Friday, everybody. What is up? Weekend. <laughs> Leap day. Leap day, William. Uh, let's meet the crew. I'm Brett Molina. I play video games, and I will spend Leap Day cleaning my garage because I've gone full suburban dad. I'm Brian Truitt. I watch movies, and I have no idea what I'm doing Leap Day. Hopefully nothing. Hopefully nothing. It's the best kind of day. Yeah. I'm Kelly Lawler. I watch television, and I will spend Leap Day reading the five different books I'm in the middle of right now. At the same time? Yeah. Awesome. That seems excessive. Genius. If this is your first time listening to us, welcome. New episode of The Mothership drop every Friday, and you can subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you like to listen. While you're on Apple Podcasts, we would be so grateful if you could leave a quick review about the show, because you help other fans who like nerdy pop culture find us, and as a bonus, you get a shout-out on the next episode. So try it out. Everybody wins. Don't forget, along with leaving a review, you can get in touch with us on Twitter, we're at Mothership Pod, or you can send an email to MothershipPod at usatoday.com. Let's get to the main topic. Here's a clip. What happened to him? He cut his wrists. It just doesn't make any sense. What? Adrian wouldn't kill himself. Listen, you're getting your freedom back, okay? Don't let him haunt you. Hello? I'm scared. You don't have to be scared of him anymore. He was a sociopath completely in control of everything. He said that wherever I went, he would find me, walk right up to me, and I wouldn't be able to see him. Are you okay? Someone sitting in that chair. He has figured out a way to be invisible. Only thing more brilliant than inventing something that makes you invisible is coming up with the perfect way to torture you even in death. That was from The Invisible Man, the new Blumhouse horror take on the classic film starring Elizabeth Moss. It's one of a few more under-the-radar movies, TV shows, games, and books the three of us are obsessed with right now. On this podcast, we talk a lot about big blockbuster films and TV shows like Marvel movies, Game of Thrones, but there's plenty of stuff out there we like to shine a light on that doesn't get nearly as much publicity and press. And considering it's a relatively slow time of the year for Hollywood, we figured this was a good time to call out some of our smaller, maybe lesser-known faves. Let's start with Brian. You really dug the new Invisible Man, right? Yeah, it was all right. It was Are cool. Going to tell us more? Oh, maybe. <laughs> um, so it's it's not really under the radar because it's like actually a pretty big horror film, and it and it's not based on, but it's kind of like loosely inspired by the H.G. Wells novel The Invisible Man in like the 1933 James Whale movie with Claude Rains and a bunch of gauze. But it's it's kind of cool because it's a movie about. You know, domestic abuse and gaslighting and so much of like the horror we, we know now, 
you know, kind of the big get out and us and things that things we're in like a golden age of horror that like actually talks about something and, and, you know, not really messaging, but just kind of like it talks about things that are happening in society in a little bit more, more than just kind of like somebody carrying around a machete and just slicing teenagers. There's something, there's more heft to it. And, and so they, so they've taken the visible man and like made, the main person, a woman who's trying to uh, escape her ex. Her ex happens to be an optics pioneer. So she escapes. He like supposedly kills himself and leaves her like $5 million. But she, but she's been like so, so messed up by the whole relationship. Like she's traded one prison, which like, you know, he's kept her like very much in their house and not allowed to talk to other people or have like views of her own. She's traded one prison to like, Another one where she won't even leave the house because she's afraid that, you know, he'll come get her. And she doesn't believe that he's dead because he wouldn't do such a thing. So then, like, bad starts happening, like, you know, around the house. You know, the the oven turns on by itself and, you know, there's weird handprints everywhere. You know, more the invisible man kind of trope things. And it's, you know, and she's, like, haunted by this thing and no one believes her. Do we ever get a scene with, like, floating glasses? Nothing that, like, obvious, hacky. But just, like, you know, a lot of, st- like, the camera's always panning. So you're always wondering where where the thing is. And, like, it's too bad because there's one scene. The best scene in the entire friggin' movie is, like, in the trailer. It ruined the whole movie. And it's, you know, a trailer's bad sometimes. Trailers are bad. But, like, when it happens in the movie, I didn't see it. Thank God I didn't see the trailer until after I watched the movie. But, like, it startled me on, like, I was on the edge of my seat because I was like, oh, my God. You know, it was, like, it was, it was that effective. And it's just it's it's really cool that they've taken something like so kind of old school and like made it very real. It's like we don't believe people, you know, victims now. And it's just like that is this entire movie. Everybody's like this woman's nuts. You know, of course, there's no like invisible man after. But yet, you know, she's convinced of it. No one believes her. And then, you know, it, it. I won't ruin anything, but it like it. There's a real it's interesting and cathartic and. You know, I hope, I hope, instead, I think they've gotten rid of the whole dark universe thing that they were going to do with like all the Avengers style, you know, shared universe with the monsters. So I, hopefully it's more like this, where it's just like some filmmaker, this is Lee Wanell who, who co-created Saw and did the Insidious movies. Hopefully it's like some filmmaker has a cool idea for one of the monsters in a very socially conscious manner and like, Hopefully we do this with like Frankenstein, Dracula. Frankenstein could totally be like a thing about identity issues. Oh yeah. Um, Wolfman, you know, you could do a lot about. Um, I mean, Teen Wolf kind of like. I was about to say it's there. already about puberty, <laughs> right? But I think you could do like something like like a really interesting body horror thing and tie tie that some somehow into, into you know something cool. Dracula about disease. Um, I think there's a lot of things you could do with those things, and hopefully, hopefully this will make some money, and you know, people will be allowed to do that. Well, there we go, Kelly. You've been a big fan of. I am not okay with this. Tell us more, please. Uh, yeah, this is a new Netflix series that is out t- today, the Wednesday we are recording, so it's available to you the Friday. You are obviously listening because you listen right away. Don't all of you? Um, it is a, a teen show. Starring Sophie Lillis, who played Beverly in It. And if you also watch Sharp Objects, she played a young Amy Adams in Sharp Objects. So she's been a young Amy Adams and a young Jessica Chastain. If there are any other gingers left in Hollywood, she should probably play a younger version. And Nancy Drew, too. Oh, and Nancy Drew, yes. And it's sort of, it's very Carrie-esque. 
It's about this teen girl who has a lot of anger issues um, and her dad has just died and she lives in a very rundown, poor town in Pennsylvania. And she doesn't have a lot of friends. She has a bad relationship with her mother. And so she's just going through like the latter stages of puberty and grief and is just boiling up inside and it becomes very literal. And then she starts to have these superpowers that are telekinesis-esque you know, there might be something else going on, but that literally when she is so angry and upset or sad, they boil out of her and stuff flies off the walls and things crash and people get hurt and uh, an animal dies at one point. So it's both, you know, kind of cool, but also very scary. It's like it's not like, oh, I'm going to be a superhero now. It's, oh, if I can't control my emotions, someone might get hurt. And It's based on a graphic novel, and it's from uh, the people behind uh, The End of the Effing World, which is another teen, very anger and emotion-driven Netflix series, but without any um, powers in that one, just like murder. And I really liked it. It feels a little bit cobbled together from other pop culture things. Like, there's so much Carrie in it. it, There's like a direct uh, homage of, of the Carrie covered in blood imagery and obviously she is a teen girl with telekinesis so one obviously thinks of Carrie um there's a little bit of stranger things in there there's some like teen grouping trying to solve the mystery there's uh relationship drama there's you know sexual awakening of trying to figure out what your sexual orientation is but I really enjoyed it it is short like 20 23 minute episodes uh there are only seven of them I watched it in a single afternoon and was both refreshed with how quick it was and also honestly just a little bit sad that it had stopped so that's how I want to feel about a serialized show that's going to come back for another season I don't want to feel like I'm done watching it I want to have a desire for more and that means that it is the right length you know what I mean like when I'm like oh that was a lot to watch that means that your episodes were too long your season was too long so yeah I really enjoyed it and it felt like a perfectly fun way to spend an afternoon and it is out on a Wednesday, which is so weird for Netflix. So I'm interested to see how well it does. Is there any breakout kind of performance or, or actor from this series? I mean, uh, the main girl is is fabulous. She is. But we kind of knew that she was already. She's this is a great like starring role for her as opposed to being one of the the kids in it. And, you know. She did the Nancy Drew thing, but I think that was sort of a, a really weirdly infantile version of Nancy, Nancy Drew, especially compared to that CW one we got going on where Well, it's more Nancy for kids. Drew, it's yeah. geared at kids rather than, you know, CW, which is aimed for horny teens. Yes. <laughs> this one is not quite as horny as CW, but it is a little horny, I would say. Um, I mean, the other, the supporting teens are very good, too, but it's very much her show. It's not about a group of teens. It's about her and her friends and enemies. Oh, OK. There we go. Cool. Um, so I've been in a weird headspace with entertainment consumption the last couple of weeks because I've just been fascinated with stuff that I don't really need to think about. I just want to entertain myself. And the one thing that I have been watching a lot of lately, just because I'm fascinated by it as a concept, is TikTok. Yes, very under the radar. Well, in a, in a way, it kind of is, though, because I mean, it's it's like the new hot app. But I think a lot of people still are kind of like don't know enough about it. Yeah. So, which I really is, don't know, know anything about it. I really yeah. want to avoid getting into it. I have enough things that consume mm-hmm. my time. Yeah. I mean, it's fascinating. It's very fascinating. Um, if you don't know what TikTok is, it's basically a new, it's a social app. It's similar to Vine, which it was owned by Twitter. Um, it was known for, you could put together basically short video clips that were six seconds long and it had a really good following. And then Twitter decided to just shut it down, which 
now looking at the rise of something like a TikTok looks like a really incredible mistake. But TikTok is essentially a video app in a similar vein. You can post videos, I think, up to a minute long, but they tend to be a lot shorter than that anyway. But they also incorporate music and they incorporate even quotes from movies or other things. And so a, a lot of it's just people trying to make ba- basically memeable clips. I don't know if memeable is a word, but I'm going to start it now. And it's just basically clips combining, you know, the music. And then it's weirdly fascinating watching it because you get like interesting insight into obviously younger people, but just in general, like there's bits of Instagram in it. There's bits of Snapchat in it. And then there's also the predecessor to TikTok was this app called Musical.ly where you incorporate all the music and effects and stuff like that. And so it kind of all comes together in this really interesting package. And what's interesting too is like with a lot of other apps, you know, you have to kind of find the stuff you really like. And the more you find that stuff, the more it fills into your feed. Mm -hmm. You have it broken down into two parts. There's a feed where you have accounts that you follow and then there's a For You page, which just kind of goes through a lot of the stuff that's tagged for you. And the more you tailor that to pick the stuff you want, the more interesting it is. Like now I've been obsessed with watching just random food videos where people are cooking stuff. And there's even like, I weirdly got into this hole where I was watching like home improvement like clips and people are like power washing a driveway, but they show it in high speed. And I'm like, this is weirdly fun to watch. And I don't know why. Wow. Suburban dad. I know. I, I know. I've hit a really weird Level place. 10. I know. It's kind of crazy. Does it make you feel better about, I don't know how much time your kids spend on it personally, but does it make you feel better about how much time kids spend on it? I mean, it's like anything else. Like sometimes you can get like su- yeah. pulled into the rabbit hole and you're stuck watching that. Or you, if you're not watching it, if you're younger and you're, you know, you're really savvy with this stuff, you're spending a lot of time making TikTok videos, you know? So it's like. You know, I think it's like with everything, you know, you got to, you know, moderation's good and all that stuff. So there is some stuff that's racier, too, especially with kids and stuff. You definitely don't want to. We talked about, you know, CW being horny. There's little bits of that and TikTok and every other platform, too. Well, it comes teenagers involved. Exactly. So you got to weed that out a little bit. But again, I think it's fun and it's really interesting. And, I, you know, if it's going to get as big as like a Facebook or Twitter, I don't know. But it's just it's entertaining. It's really fascinating. If you like TikTok, you should subscribe to USA Today or follow them or whatever the nomenclature is. Yes, they are on TikTok. Yes, USA Today is I on hear TikTok. we're very popular on TikTok. Apparently. Shockingly. I mean, we have very good people on our social media team, but I don't know. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't know that it was for news. Yeah. Yeah, it's very They're good. good. but we didn't know they were that good. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, news to us. Um, so, yeah, no, check, check us out, USA Today on TikTok. But anyway, yeah, but if this gets into my space of I just need kind of stuff to watch that I don't really need to think too hard. So there you go. So as part of this episode, we're doing two picks. So Brian, your turn up again. What's your next pick? So I've become the 40-something adult who who does Legos at night and just watches random TV, like streaming TV, for relaxation purposes. That is my escape. Fine motor skills. Yep. So so I've watched a bunch of stuff. I've watched like Daybreak, which is really good. And then I've, it was like a season and that kind of sucked. And then I watched that Renee Zellweger thing. That oh, was kinda, God. Eh. Society, that was fine. High Fidelity, that was fine. Reprisal, I really liked. But after I watched High Fidelity, it went into like this thing called Letterkenny. I really never knew what it was. I and I became obsessed. It's like eight seasons, like seven to eight episodes per thing. So you can knock, knock out like a season at night. It's, it's really easy. But it's just like, it's this awesome combination of like cheers, Parks and Rec and Hockey Night in America, and it's just, it's fabulous. I really, I can't tell you why I like it, 
because it's like there's like it's like strange puns and lots of fighting like a lot of fighting and the kind of characters are weird but it's like it's all about the characters i mean it's kind of focuses on it's like a rural small town in ontario and it focuses on like the hicks are like kind of the stars there's the main guy is this guy called wayne he runs a produce stand and a farm with with his younger sister kind of a bigger guy it doesn't talk much kind of you know very stoic but that's kind of like why he's so funny and then like so he's got a sidekick you know with his best friend daryl the squirrely dan kind of the rotund guy who like has kind of a speech impediment and everything's like pluralized and you know but it's all about kind of like how how they interact with their little town like there's the oversexed bartender there's the hockey players who are kind of like california airheads with who say a boot um, there's the skids who are like drug addicts, the um, degens, there, you know, there's like the, 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 um, the swinging, um, farm couple. There's like, there's so many like weird characters, but they're, and, they're like, and there's like a reservation like nearby. So like the, the natives are around too. And they've got like, they've got storylines. Everybody's got like a storyline. They all kind of like, they kind of all don't get along but then they all kind of like love each other because they're all kind of in the same town and they all look out for each other it's it's really really neat and i and i and it's it's hard to say what's so good about it because there are just so many little things that will work about it. but i think it's the characters especially because you find you find they they have like a whole vocabulary it, they it's it, watching like the first couple of episodes you don't know what you're talking about because like they're they throw out so many kind of like i guess they're canadianisms i don't know i'm not canadian I feel like I am after watching this show, though. Um, there's a lot of, like, vocabulary that, that kind of, like, it finds itself. You understand what they're talking about after a few episodes, and you kind of get into their thing. They say, like, the main, Wayne says, like, pitter-patter all the time. And he's and it's about, like, here, c- come, you know, get going. Or, you know, Squirrely Dan says apparently all the time. There's a whole thing about, like, wrestling puns there and, like, a lot of dad jokes. It's, uh, it's so really, it's really good. Just give it a shot. Because it's it, it it's it's really addictive, and there's like eight seasons of it. It's not one of these like like Kelly said. It's just like I'm not okay with this. Is like one season, and like you're done with it, and you're in a night, and you're like, eh, there's no more. But like at least there's like eight seasons of this, so it'll keep you going for at least like a week until you find something else. Yeah, it was. It's obviously a Canadian show, and I like it too. It wasn't available in the U.S. until 2018, but it also wasn't. It didn't have all of the seasons on Hulu until very recently. And so I've seen it start to proliferate like other TV critics that I talk to. And like when I go check in on TV Reddit, people are more interested in stuff. So I'm really hoping that it'll sort of have that slow build the way a lot of international shows do on American streaming platforms. There's a lot of GIFs. I've noticed um, it has more GIFs than I thought it would. And like on on Twitter and everything, I I feel like that's kind of like... The thing that like tells you something's popular when like yeah. there's a lot of gifs of it just like running around there. But it's cool that like you know there's so much kind of crap out there. That's something like that that is kind of so small and so kind of DIY and so niche. And that it it is it is utterly strange when you start watching because you're like what am I watching? But then it's like you you get involved with the character. The characters bring you in and they get you involved. You know you understand their vocabulary and they like do weird stuff. But you're like okay, well I, you know that's how I probably I probably would go with that situation if someone you know tried to try to get in a scrap with me or something. You know there's there's a lot of stuff that's very relatable even though it it is very kind of like it foreign and it and it loves being Canadian. It loves being kind of like really niche and Canadian. Yeah, it reminds me of Slings and Arrows. 
if anyone has ever watched that. I kind of want to watch that now because I know that's very Canadian in terms of. I think it's like on YouTube. Like it's not called. It's on stream. It's on streaming somewhere. It's somewhere. Um, Highly recommend Slings and Arrows, which is a super Canadian show about a Shakespearean theater company that is simultaneously absolutely hilarious and one of the deepest shows you've ever seen because the season's echo Shakespeare plays. Anyways, I could talk about Slings and Arrows for a long time. Rachel McAdams is in it before she was famous. Anyways. (laughs) Well, let's get to you then because you haven't. I was going to say, what's your your next pick? I'm not currently watching Slings and Arrows, but I could talk about it forever. Anyway, (laughs) uh, I did want to talk about FX has a really big week, first week of March, um, and it's big for a bunch of different reasons. It's big on like a business level because the FX on Hulu landing pages launching, which I'm going to be writing about later this week. It's a very interesting thing that I don't know if consumers really understand where, obviously, since Disney got FX in the 20th Century Fox merger, they are trying to flex it on multiple platforms. So FX on Hulu is this weird thing where they're keeping the FX brand because they believe, and I think they're right in believing that FX uh, sort of connotes a prestige TV thing with their shows. Like, you know, like Fargo and the Americans, like they win Emmys, they um, are adult programming. Um, So what they're doing is some shows that have been in development at FX and were planned for 2020 are becoming FX on Hulu exclusives. So one of those includes like Kate Blanchett's FX series, Mrs. America, about the equal rights amendment fight from like the conservatives who didn't want it and the uh, women's liberation movement who did. So instead of ever airing on cable, it's just going to be on Hulu. So essentially it's a Hulu original, but it's still an FX show. That's weird. So, like, from a business standpoint, FX publicists are working with it. It was at the FX Day at TCA. You know what I mean? Like, it's paid for by FX, but it's only going on Hulu. So that's interesting. And then starting next week, it's shows that air on FX and FXX linearly will be available on Hulu the very next day, much like broadcast shows are available on Hulu the very next day from ABC, NBC, and Fox. So it's weird business time. It's a new frontier in the streaming wars. And it also means FX is dumping a lot of new shows next week and in the coming months. And Devs is their big like FX on Hulu launch show, which is from Alex Garland, which is good. And you'll hear more about it from lots of different people. It's from the guy who did Ex Machina. Uh, it's got Nick Offerman in it, among others. So we'll let other people talk about Devs. I want to talk about these two tiny shows that are coming to the actual cable channels. Breeders, which stars Martin Freeman and Daisy Haggard, and Dave, which stars Lil Dicky. If you guys know who Lil Dicky is, he's a YouTube star who is this white guy who raps, and his whole shtick is that he's a white guy who raps. But he actually works with really great musicians and uh, producers. So Breeders First is this British tiny little sitcom that Martin Freeman helped write and produce about a couple with two young kids. And the whole thing is just about the trials and tribulations of parenthood. The first episode is one of the funniest things I've ever seen. It's all about this one night where the the kids won't go to bed. They just can't sleep. And the parents are trading off who's going to watch them. And it just keeps escalating. And it just gets worse and worse. It gets worse for the parents. It gets harder for the kids to fall asleep until, I won't say why, but eventually the police get involved. And it's just really funny and really smart. And even though I don't have kids, I found it very relatable just in terms of like exasperation and not necessarily like, you know, you get something that you've always wanted. Like they always wanted to be parents and then it's not you're not 100 percent happy all the time and you feel guilty about that. And that's something that you can relate to if you get your dream job and you're not 100 percent happy all the time or any other thing in life that's supposed to be a goal and about society and stuff. I also love Daisy Haggard, who did this Showtime series uh, last year called Back to Life, which was one of my favorite shows last year. So 
highly recommend Breeders. Highly recommend Dave if you like weird internet style humor. It's the whole shtick is that it's about Dave slash Little Dicky. Or Lil Dicky, excuse me, there's no T. <laughs> there's not a single T in Lil Dicky. It's like produced by Scooter Braun and Kevin Hart, though. Like, this is like, he's this internet guy that like celebrities are obsessed with. And so that's how he like ended up with his own show, even though like he's just internet famous. It's like, I like to describe it as the most FXX show that ever FXXed. Like, it's so very much man-seeking woman. It's very, it's always sunny. It's just weird and crass and cringy. And I don't always like cringy humor. But this guy is so talented. And he makes such smart, cringy jokes that it's not just about making me hide behind the couch. It's also about making me think while I hide behind the couch. So, highly recommend. Um, this is the rare show that our um, my colleague, Bill Kevney, loves and he is an ornery person who is rather discerning with his taste but he absolutely loved this show and was like chatting up little dicky on stage at tca for as long as he could i'm now picturing you're hiding behind the couch and then he says something insightful and you kind of peek up a little bit exactly (laughs) i mean the opening scene of the show is about him asking his doctor about his penis because as that, you do, as one does. Who among us? Who among us? <laughs> Seriously, I mean, not me personally. Well, <laughs> <laughs> but maybe you guys. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, moving on. Um, so this, so my pick is one I just happened to stumble upon. My wife found it, and I thought it was kind of fun to watch. And again, this goes right into the line of I just kind of want TV shows that I don't have to really think too hard about right now. It's called Breakfast, Lunch, and Dinner. It's not new. It actually came out, I believe, last October. It stars Chef David Chang, and basically the concept is he visits these different spots around the world and has breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Um, It is described kind of like as a food show, but honestly, as watching it, it felt more like a kind of a food travel show because it's not really – like you get some kind of peek into, you know, the – the cuisine and and the different food you can have in these different locations. But also it really talks about the history of the place that they're visiting and talks about some other, give some other perspective too. The other thing about this that makes it fun is he always has a different celebrity that's with him for this. It's a four episodes. So it's, it's really short, really easy to knock out. Um, It should be three, shouldn't it? There are three meals a day. You would think so, but I'm okay. (laughs) Maybe, maybe one's like a snack. Who knows? Yeah. Um, Fourth meal. Yeah, exactly. Second breakfast. (laughs) See, one of the first ones is he went to Vancouver and he hung out with Seth Rogen. Shocker, there was weed involved. Who would what? have guessed? I know, crazy. But a fun episode. You know, he they tour Vancouver and, you know, Seth Rogen's from Vancouver. So you get a lot into his background, but also just how Vancouver's grown as this big city and everything. And there's there's a lot of Asian influence in Vancouver, too. So, you know, you dig into that. You know, there's another episode where he goes to Marrakesh with Chrissy Teigen. And that's another great episode. They have a really funny moment where they're trying to make tagines, which are the the pots that are used in Moroccan cuisine. So that's fun. And then one of my favorites is uh, he goes to Cambodia with Kate McKinnon, who Kate McKinnon in anything is amazing. So, but yeah, it's just, again, it's like a fun, simple. I didn't want to think too hard. It's a fun little food and travel type show. And you get some really fun insight into these different celebs, but then also they're just having fun and you really get to see a, a lot of these places in a whole new light or maybe in a way you never thought of you know, in a while. So it it was fun. It was a nice, simple kind of, you know, escape. Uh, He has the second season of another one of his shows coming out on Netflix this week, uh, Ugly Delicious Season 2, which I've never watched, but um, Aaron Jensen, who works on our TV staff, is a huge fan of. So if you need something else to watch, Brett? I think I'm adding that to the list. And for all you listeners. Yeah, there we go. There we go. 
All right, we should probably stop there. But let's hear from you. What are you obsessed with right now that your friends maybe haven't heard of? What's the best show that no one's watching or the best movie that didn't make enough at the box office this year? Let us know on Twitter. You can find us at Mothership Pod or you can tweet at us individually. I'm at Brett Molina, 23. At Brian Truitt. <laughs> I'm at K Lulz. K L A W L S. I totally forgot my Twitter handle for about two <laughs> seconds. I apologize. <laughs> Don't forget, you can email us too. We're at mothershippod at usatoday.com. We are really at punchy Overwatch today. 33. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh. And you can find Brett on TikTok. No, you can't. No, One you day. will not. No, I'm not that cool. Sorry. Uh, we're going to wrap it up here, though. Thanks for listening. Special thanks to our pilot slash producers of the Mothership, Shannon Green and Natalie Boyd. If you like the podcast and don't want to miss an episode moving forward, you can subscribe to the Mothership for free on Apple Podcasts. While you're there, please, please, please leave us a rating or review because it helps other people find the show, and we really love your feedback. Plus, you get a shout-out on the next episode, so it's wonderful for everybody. If Apple Podcasts isn't your thing, you can also find us on Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, pretty much anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Thanks again for listening. Until next week, nerds out. Later. Bye. Bye.